HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I'm here today with Mr. Bill Fitch, the wine director of Vinegar Hill House and the recently opened Hillside. Uh, welcome, Bill. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Um, I, I, I came in uh, this this past weekend. I had a, I had such a great time. I've been a fan of, uh, of Vinegar Hill House for a long time, so it was really exciting to um, to check out Hillside as well. Congratulations! Thank you very much. It's, it's been it's, it's great to be up and running. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the first things that that um, got me excited about Vinegar Hill House was the uh, the person who puts together one of my favorite beverage programs, my favorite wine list in the city, said that it was one of her favorite wine lists. Uh, Juliet Pope uh, is is a huge huge fan, and so when Juliet mentions that she likes something, I I listen to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, me too. It's, it's an honor for me. It's, it kind of blows my mind, actually. Yeah, it's it's always such an honor to have someone like that to to co- not only to come into the restaurants, but to you know to to say nice things about it. Um, well, you you have you've had quite a history in in New York with with your with restaurants. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and, um, and your story? Well, um, I I guess it started in Portland, Oregon. I. Uh, I got into wine because I was sort of obsessed with perfume. Um, I had I had not been able to smell for a couple of years and had surgery, and afterwards I could smell. And I got insanely into perfume and spent all my money on perfume. And a friend sort of took pity on me and told me that about wine. It was this super cool thing, and it was mostly olfactory. Um, 
So I guess through that, I worked. I, I ended up getting a job in a place in Portland that had like a thousand European wines. Um, it was kind of a cross between a Venetian, I'm sorry, uh, a Viennese cafe and uh, like a like some kind of British pub, tavern, um, and uh, I just I jumped right in. Uh, the the owner knew that I, I read lots of books, and she was like, "You can learn this." You know, she I I helped her basically, uh, you know, manage the cellar, help her buy things because her husband had died. Um, so I got super into that for a few years, but but uh, you know there weren't really sommeliers back then. This is like the early '90s, and uh, I didn't really think of it as a as a career or anything. I just kind of got into it. Um, and I started. I traveled again after that, and around 1998, um, I came to New York for the second time, and uh, a friend who worked at Il Buco. Uh, told me they needed a wine person, so I went and met the owner, and she liked me. And that year, Andrew Bell's courses, I guess, came to started or whatever. So they helped me, uh, helped pay for that for me. So and how how important were uh, were wine courses for you in your your wine study? Um, I would say that uh, quite important. Like I I I had a a, a pretty broad knowledge. Um, but not i didn't i didn't have any context you know i, I knew a lot of uh, burgundies i knew a lot of french wines a lot of italian wines um but not not a lot of specific information where everything fit together um you know i read a bunch of books but that really helped me those courses that course actually helped me a lot just giving me i'm a lay of the land you know where to pick world wine in general I got to know a lot better and uh, did you take any other courses as well or did you focus on America that's the American Sommelier Association yeah yeah back in 98 um, no that was it I, I, I just read a lot you know? and, yeah. and I was always blown away by people that could blind taste and I, I couldn't do that then now I can now I just just from experience but, but uh, that course just meeting lots of people like Roger de Gorn um, few others, it, it, it kind of blew my mind and inspired me. Okay, so give us a little bit more chronology. So you're, okay, you're so at Il Buco, and, and, yeah. and, then, and then what happened? Uh, at Il Buco, um, from 98 to about 2003, I think, um, I, uh, I just, I was obsessed with wine. I don't know. Mostly Italian because of Il Buco. Um, and then, uh, sorry? And then after about 2000, after I got, I, I, maybe in 2000, I started getting asked to do, to consult and make, make wine lists for places. So I did ones that seemed easy to me, like um, The Park. I don't know if you remember that place. No, it was like a sort of clubby restaurant. It's still there on 10th Avenue and 17th Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge volume, which was kind yeah. of a fun thing to find wine list to run. Um, I did the Maritime Hotel, both the restaurants there, uh, Matsuri and La Bottega. Uh, I did a place called Salt. Um, before that, it was called Stella. It was all, all New World wines. In Soho? No. Yeah, it was on uh, uh, McDougal, south of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time you went and put together a wine list, how, what was your thought process? How do you approach it? 
Um, well, you know, work with the chef, figure out what kind of food, um, the sort of style of the place that they want. Um, and, you know, it was a while ago, too, so the contexts were, you know, the, the wines that people were drinking were completely different. Like, that's one thing that's weird to me is how just the trends in wine. I mean, I couldn't really have a wine list before without Pinot Grigio or Shiraz, you know, perfectly wonderful wines, but um, <laughs> not exactly in fashion anymore. Um, although I think maybe they're right. coming back into fashion. You know, one can say that. Now maybe Muscadet, or what do, what do you think's the... You can't have a wine list now without... <clears throat> without... Um, God, I don't even know anymore. Um, uh, I, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of icky even to talk about it, but... Um, <laughs> I, you know, Jura certainly is, is a cool... It's a know, cool thing, right? demand, People demand their Jura. Um, uh, Cru Beaujolais, I mean, you know, they're... Uh, I can't sell Chardonnay, for example, at... at uh, I, I can sell a little bit, but I think it's a, such a great grape, and I have a hard time selling, you know, sometimes a Jura Chardonnay, yeah. Jura Chardonnay, a right. Chablis occasionally. But otherwise, it's hard. Like, even the most amazing wines, like, I guess, you know, a lot of people are... I don't know, it's boring or something. So I, I would, I mean, I, I would, tell me if this is a, a fair uh, uh, char- characterization of your of your list. Uh, it is a, a list that really focuses on wines that are produced very naturally without uh, too many, you know, without messing with things too, too much. Um, if, if that is, first of all, is, is that a fair, a fair characterization? And it, secondly, if it is, when, when did you first get into this kind of style of wines and what what draws you to that well um it's i I guess it's 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 fair to say that i if i i I do like that style of wine i I wouldn't say i'm a more extreme member of that the natural wine community but uh i do like them when they're when they're good they're incredibly pure i mean like everybody says it's true um but i'm not i don't there's plenty of unnatural wines, I guess, um, on the list. Uh, but I first got into it, I guess, through Jenny and Francois back in, when they started in 2000, I don't know, whatever it was, one, two, 2000, I can't remember. Um, I love those wines. Um, in particular, Domaine de Perra, the Auvergne Gamay's. Um, but then when I moved to, I moved to Paris in 2004 with, with my ex-wife, and I didn't think I was going to work in the wine world again. I thought that was the end of that. And uh, but I got really into the Paris, you know, wine culture, which is more and more a, a natural wine culture. Met a lot of the winemakers. Went to visit their the vineyards. Um, I just got you know really into it. You know, yeah, you have a, a unique position having that expertise in Paris. But how how often are you in Paris now? Uh, I'd say half the year, um, but it's it's, in, it's you know, a couple months here, a month here. I go back and forth depending on how, how what's going on at the restaurants. How did you get that gig? I want to figure <laughs> out how to get to <laughs> Italy half the year and be a happy camper. Um, I'm very fortunate that my uh, bosses and, and, and slash partners uh, are are super nice, and I. I, I I wasn't even sure I was going to move back when I started talking to them about working in the in the restaurant, but they 
they were cool with it, and it kind of helps. I mean, I'm I do learn a lot when I'm there, and and I go to lots of vineyards and meet. You know, I, it's 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 like I have constant education. Yeah. Um. So it's I I suppose it's I hope it's good for them. You know, a, a lot of people characterize the uh, the new Parisian wine scene with the, the kind of places that are opening up uh, as, as similar to what's going on in Brooklyn right now. Um, do you think that that is a, a fair assessment? Totally. In fact, in fact, um, in my neighborhood, all the sort of the, the completely unfoodie French people refer to the new cool restaurants as Brooklyn. C'est tellement Brooklyn. Like everybody's, they're all, they all they sort of shiver with excitement when there's something Brooklyn-y. Um, so yeah, it's and there's in fact there's a lot of um, actually now it's more Canadian, uh, non-French uh, chefs opening these places. It's a lot of Japanese people now, a lot of great Japanese chefs who can seem to do French food like un- unbelievably well. Um, a few Canadians, a few Americans. Um, so it's kind of great for, in my opinion, for for Paris that they're that they're they've opened up to non-French uh, restaurateurs and stuff. I'm yeah. excited about them. And, and what are your, some, some of your favorite places that you've been going to? Um, well, I guess, you know, there's... Uh, everybody likes uh, Le Baratin. Uh, Le Baratin is really great. Um, Le Vervolet. Uh, but those... Now, I'm, you know, frankly, they've been around a while. There's, there's a new place I just tried called uh, Roseval, which is awesome. Um, what else is good? I mean, uh, Reno is really good. R I N O. It's a sort of Italian-y, Italian, slightly Italian-y, um, sweet, cute little place. Um, uh, in my neighborhood, there's a there's a great place called uh, Le, Le Grand Huit, and it's uh, it's like you're going to some little village. Um, it's uh, the food's pretty good, but it's, uh, it's just the conviviality, and I, I I kind of like that hanging out and comfortable places even if maybe the food's not the best in the world yeah that's really uh i mean i i went there a few years ago and it was just just blown away by how many like casual down home comfortable and and familiar kind of places there were you know you think of yeah paris as something that where it's a, a little bit more buttoned up but uh that's certainly not the case yeah it's changed a lot like when when i first moved there in 2004 I, I thought I was shocked. I thought I, I I even missed New York, though I had wanted to move to Paris my whole life, um, because I thought the food culture and wine culture sucked. Like it was, and they they didn't really. I just didn't know where to go. And and little by little, there's so many places now that have sort of. I mean, I guess you could say Brooklynized. I mean, just more become more casual. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting that Brooklyn is becoming this. Uh, uh, Brand a way to, a way to to describe something an <laughs> adjective. <laughs> it's, and I and uh, I think that it's, it in I th- well I guess it is a Brooklyn thing. I mean I'm sort of from Portland, Oregon, and they think that they're you know it, that sort of kind of restaurant's been there for a long time. It's it's uh, it's hard for me to say what's. I mean I think there's Brooklyn's just so much bigger and you know so much has more access to things but there is something portland about it too in fact in fact paris just had like a little portland festival like this like they had like a, uh, yeah there was like a um 
uh, there was like, like bands, Portland bands, uh, food people. That blows my mind. It was just a little like a week. It's like <laughs> Portland week. Isn't that unbelievable? That is so unbelievable. Okay, so we're going to take uh, just a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask more about some of your favorite places to eat and drink here in the States and um, a few more questions. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Bill Fitch from Vinegar Hill House. You're listening to Lung by Iggy Dean on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. back with Bill Fitch from Vinegar Hill House and Hillside, um, single-handedly bringing interesting wines to Vinegar Hill section of Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, maybe with Bill and his, uh, and his team. Um, <laughs> but Oh, I don't know if it's single-handedly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, certainly it's, it's, I, it's, I'm lucky to have uh, the freedom to do a lot of things that I in past jobs, I haven't been free to do, so I have to say thanks to those to my partners. Well, tell tell us a little bit about this uh, your your corner of of Brooklyn, where where you are. This interesting neighborhood. Is it a neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, it's a few blocks. Uh, I'm envious of the people that live there, um, but it's quiet. Um, I think we're pushing against the limits of that quiet Our, that having two places on one block has been you know the, uh, it's nice of the neighbors to let us be there uh, it's very charming I mean, we were right. there and the, it was a cold night but you're looking outside and there's the cobblestone streets mm-hmm. small very very old houses mm-hmm. and my girlfriend kept saying let's move here let's move here yeah I, I, I would like if, if I didn't live for free in my uncle's basement I'd probably want to move there too but um they also have big bugs like they're it's like it's like a little wildlife preserve in terms of I mean, as far as it's sort of like a little seriously huge bugs and like caterp big fluffy caterpillars like i never see those in manhattan maybe in central no. park but 
um, so yeah, I kind of it's sort of like a little oasis. You know, it's, it's, they, they, they film sometimes. Uh, what's it called? Boardwalk Empire. There, I could totally see right. that filming like period, complete period pieces because it does not look like this century right. at all. Yeah. Uh, and then tell us a little bit about the wide. So one of the things that I, that I really love uh, about the wide list and that I admire uh, on wine lists like, like yours and and, and Franny's, uh, I think mm-hmm. they have a really great list as well. Is being uh, having the self restraint to be very well edited. Um, I find that every wine on the list, either I really, really want to drink, or if I don't know it, I think, hmm, I should know that, and I should, I will probably like it. Well, it's. Uh, I would like to, you know, I suppose it'd be nice to take credit for that, but it's it's uh, it's also natural constraints of space and over enthusiasm. Like I, I one thing that I. It would be nice to have a whole, a lot of space and a lot of and the, the clientele to support, like ten Barolos, or um, you know, so many Burgundies that you know, one could go nuts. But it just can't. Like I, you know, I, I, there's so many other things that I that I'm enthused about, and that and and luckily they sell. Like I, that's what kind of blows my mind. These things that you know, I couldn't sell Jura back you know ten years ago. Um, it was so hard. So, so I think it's. I sort of feel like the climate is has, is wonderful, um, and I don't think it's just Brooklyn. I think it's like a. I feel like even though there is something Brooklyn <laughs> about Brooklyn, I think that um, it's certainly not limited. I mean, there's plenty of. You know, I think this phenomenon is in Manhattan as well, and if not in a lot of other places, but. Um, you know, just just the fact that people will buy a Georgian wine, you know, that's amazing. I mean, from the country of Georgia, uh, I, so so I feel like it's 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 a general thing. Like I think, like my personal feeling is that I everything is owed to Eric Asimov. Like I feel like, and and maybe it's because I have been uh, when I was in Paris for five years straight without coming here. I read him all the time. I was like, oh my god, this is. There's someone with a sane voice that's opening the way for all these cool things, and it changed so much, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also admire him so much. I just just heard that he's going to be on the show, and I'm very oh, awesome. very enthused by wow, that wow. prospect. Yeah, that's yeah. I feel like that. I just loved reading him, and it, 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 I, I really feel it changed a lot. Um, and, and, and if you know. It just sort of opened the flood floodgates. It feels like that to me, whether that's true or not. I don't know, but um, I don't know if I could have sold. I can't. I mean, the things that I that I'm that I'm mind boggled by by what we sell. And even without, you know, if I'm not on the floor, we have a, a few people that know a, a you know pretty fair amount about wine. But and tell us a little bit about uh, about how that works. So you're, if you're not on the floor, mm-hmm. someone has to be able to sell. Cote Rouenaise or Muscadet yeah. from that's 13 years old or whatever it is. Uh, how do you go about training and how does that whole well, thing work? It's certainly the hardest thing for me. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say why. I'm, it's getting better, but um, basically, I have I have uh, cheat sheets. You know, I have like 
information that, that everybody is. I give them tests and we do tastings and um, we have I, th- I think we do now have a bunch of uh, great staff that that uh, is learning little by little and which I'm sort of into I, I was a kindergarten teacher in Waldorf and Montessori methods and I think the Waldorf method is really awesome like it's you 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 have the same teacher for a long time and 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 they and you and so, so you, the teacher learns, and the enthusiasm that the teacher brings to his or her learning is supposedly picked up by the by the by the children. And I sort of feel like uh, I like that. Everybody's at a different stage in their wine education, and more or less enthused. Um, and uh, it's you can play to that. You can sort of surf their their uh, enthusiasms a little bit. And I like it when one, like each person has their own, his or her own, um, you know, group of cluster of go-to wines. Um, got this guy uh, right now from Cuba, and he loves selling the the Georgian wine. I just think that's awesome. Like, and, and, and everybody loves it, and he's happy with it. And now it's he's sort of into Georgian wines now. And, you know, so it's little by little. <clears throat> it's certainly not perfect. Um, I, you know, I, 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 when I, when I first got into one, after taking the Andrew Bell course, I was much better at training staff, because um, I think I was, the, the, the information was newer to me, and I, I, I knew what it was like for it to be, for them, um, and, I guess. So you're better right after the course than you think you are now, or yeah. better than Even before I have, the course? Yeah. I have, st- what, almost 20 years, uh. No, 15 years since then, uh, more experience. I, uh, you know, like I was saying, I, I can't believe that everybody on Earth doesn't know what malolactic fermentation is, and to have to explain that again is somehow, um, I don't know, tedious. <laughs> <laughs> you for, yeah, you you forget when you you know you're so into and you you talk to. You meet a lot of winemakers, and you, you talk to them about, it and there's some things that are just given, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's a reality check it brings you back. Like, oh wait, not everyone has met a lot of winemakers or been to a lot of wine regions. Yeah, it's really, it's sort of you know, I'm retarded like that. I have, um, I, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm in it so much that I do forget. And uh, but I'm getting better now. Yeah. I've, I've we just started. Uh, well, we've been doing wine training classes for the whole, for all the the different restaurants that can come to mm-hmm. one central place. And they've uh, done a class on vinification, and then one on, or one on viticulture, the vinification. Then we're mm-hmm. going to jump into wines of northwestern Italy and. Mm-hmm. I figured I would do a lot of the history and laws and all of that together in the first class, and then I was like, wait a sec, they probably don't know much about that at all. So I made that its own class. There's uh-huh. a, we did a class just on wine uh, history uh-huh. in Italy and the wine laws and geography. Uh-huh. And I thought that was a good base basis. class, a good basis. Uh-huh. And I, I thought that would be part of, of the next one, but I think everyone responded to that that well. Uh-huh. But I think I could use some of your teaching tips because I find myself up there sweating, <laughs> hoping that it's like, <laughs> hoping that people don't think that I'm the tool teacher, you know. 
I just also I'm, so sometimes like, while explaining these things to 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 um, relative neophytes, I feel like there's no getting around it. One is a tool. Like the, <laughs> who cares about these things, and the, the, why should they care? Like I mean, it does help. You know, it's a good thing. But I mean, for what they're doing. But you know, I don't know. There's a lot of. It's hard, you know. The, the wine geek is certainly an apt term. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when before our, our show started, when you, you got here, you had gone here early, and there's uh, you guys can't see it at home, but you know, we're, we're in a shipping container that that is, uh, you know, it's lined with with cedar plank, and there's actually a, a big uh, bookcase, and I found you like going through all the books in the in the bookcase, like. Oh, look at this one! Oh, that the, the blue bottle coffee book—very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a I, I'm burdened with my bibliophilia. I have um, way too many books, both in New York and in Paris. I'm the guy who, when you go when when invited to a party, disappears into the bookshelf and hides with the books. Um, it is kind of absurd at this point, especially since. But I did get a, I, I got a Kindle, so that's. Okay. Can you tell us uh, one wine book that uh-huh. you very much enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, one that's a non-wine related book? Book. Well, that's tough. That's like, what's your favorite wine? But um, yeah, I actually, just got this this uh, French book about Burgundy, um, and half of it is is uh, what is it, a, a, I guess it's called a toponymy. It's basically. It's it, it it's like an etymology of all the place names in Burgundy. It's like a dictionary of of the, of where these names come from. It's it's awesome. I mean, if I could, can I cuss? Like I would say, it's fucking awesome. I think you can cuss. Okay. Um, and like you know, because there's so many different cultures that have passed through Burgundy, and it's almost like I would. You know, like like Ronsre, like like you know, they're, they're, there's so many names for for you know like the, the the berry brambles that are at the top of the hills, you know, all along Burgundy, and like when the when the place was settled, like what like Volnay, like it's 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 it, I, I I believe that it's uh, the the name is related to the view from these hills, like how how the how how the view sort of rolls away. Um, and uh, I, you know stuff like that. that. That's my new favorite wine book. Um, what's it called? Oh, what's it called? Uh, Bourgogne. I'm sorry, I can't remember. That's okay. <laughs> we'll we'll it's find just, it and then uh, we'll, it's just a big. It's, we'll it, put it, it up on the website. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I can send it to you. <laughs> it's uh, you know, I got it at, like Fnac. You know, it's like not a book that looks like something I would like, except it had that toponymy. Anyway, um. I like that. Um, other wine books. Um, I like. Have you ever seen? You know that perfume guy. Um, um, there's a book. Of, uh, he, he and his, I believe, his wife. Yes. Luca Turin. I bought it for my for my mom who, uh-huh. who loves perfume. So yeah, I, I know. It's like yeah. a it's like a handbook and it yeah. describes like ten five I don't know thousand or more perfumes, and his descriptions of of you know olfactory phenomena of, of perfumes is inspiring to me for like wine like it, it's really it, 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 they t- you know I feel like wine people try to be more more objective <laughs> and I, I think he sort of 
with perfume, you, 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 there's more freedom to be subjective and to like make ridiculous, you know, poetic <laughs> analogies, which I think is part of the fun. You know, not that it's you know all that. You know, you know I, I guess it can get really ridiculous and, and stupid. But um, for me, that a lot of that is is reading the table. It's like if if you can if you have any hint that that table doesn't want to hear. Oh, definitely. Oh, then yeah. you just like, then I go back to. It's full bodied. It's dry. It's fruit right, forward. Right. You're gonna love it. <laughs> it yeah. But if it's someone, if it's a cool table who's getting into it, then you come up with something right. like just, mm-hmm. you know, it's has crazy amounts of energy and like, you know, it's yeah, that's bright cer- shining wine that tastes like the seaside or something like that. Yeah. It's certainly, I think that the most hard to teach and important skill for wine taste, you know, sommeliering is. Is reading the mode, the mood of the of, of who's doing the ordering and what they feel like, and it's really hard. It's like, you, know, you never know, but when you get it, it's really fun. Yeah, you know, turning people on to that. Well, uh, unfortunately, we've you know kind kind of run up, kind of come to the end. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's always such a pleasure. Uh, you'll definitely find me uh, back at, at at Vinegar Hill House, and especially Hillside. I mean, you guys are, did just such a great job uh, with Hillside. I re- I really loved it. So, uh, and thank thank you, Bill, so much for coming on. So it's an honor to be here. Thank yes. you for having me. And thanks to everyone for uh, for listening. We'll see you next week on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.